Hey everybody, welcome to The Ridge. I'm so glad that we're able to join together, whether we're here in person, whether we're online, just what an awesome opportunity that we have to just kind of be together. Now we are continuing our series today called Legit. We're talking through the, the book of James and we're talking kind of through what does it look like to live out an authentic... Oh, hold on. I'm going to phone call. Hang on. Got to take this. Hello? Where am I? Yeah, I'm on stage right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll, I'll call you back. Okay. I love you too. Bye. No, of course I didn't answer a phone call. Yes, my phone's off. But why in the world would we do something like that? Well, today we're talking about waiting. And what better way to talk about waiting than to make everybody wait? It was only about not even quite a, a whole minute. How long did it feel to you? How awkward did it feel to you? Whew, felt awkward to me. See, the fact of the matter is, we don't like to wait at all. Have you ever walked to the front of the grocery store and been like, oh, I'm so glad that you only have one lane open, even though you have like 40 lanes here. And the lane that you have open is the one that I have to check myself out and bag my own groceries and do your job for you. That's awesome. See, nobody says that. We don't like to wait at all. We live in a world that waits for next to nothing, actually. Have you ever watched the countdown on your phone for the Amazon package that you like ordered 15 minutes ago? And you're like, it's not here yet? Like, let's go, let's go. Or we stream the TV show, and if it doesn't come on in like seconds, we're getting frustrated. Or how many of you are this type of person? You're the, you're the person at the light, and it goes from red to green, and in that split second, you go, huh? You one of those? Yeah, I saw a hand. We need to talk afterwards. See, we have this hurry and we have this hustle and we have this bustle and we spend beyond our means because we want it now and we don't want to wait for it. See, we don't like to wait. And right smack dab in the middle of kind of this fast-paced, I'm not waiting for anything or anybody type of life, we find ourselves being a little impatient. We're like, come on. And maybe you're not impatient about everyday stuff, you know, the easy stuff, the normal stuff in life. Maybe you're impatient for the big stuff, the next promotion, for your family to look like the way you want, to live the way that you want, to finally get to the destination that you're hoping to get, to be treated the way you want, to feel like you want. See, we get impatient with all sorts of things. We get impatient with our kids. You ever get impatient with your kids? Like, sit down and stop it. I've never said that or anything like that. We get impatient with a spouse. We get impatient with a friend. You know, at home, at church, you're like, let's wrap it up, man. Like, I got it. I understand we're impatient. There's a countdown on the wall. I'm, I glance at it every once in a while. I can see you do it. Like, I know some of you do it. Yeah. In our impatience, things happen. Like, as we're waiting on God, what are you waiting on God in in your life? Is there something you're waiting on to happen? As we wait, things happen. We often end up hurrying past God. So we're in a hurry. And we expect God to kind of show up on our timeline. We're like, okay, I had it planned out. And I would like for you to show up right now when it's convenient for me. Or maybe you don't just hurry past God. You, you kind of want to hurry up, God. And you're like, look, God, I'm not going to wait on you. I want you to wait on me. Like, let's go. Get it together. Get it together. Let's go. We've got it. Figure it out. Hurry it up. I want you to answer my prayer when I want. I want you to do what I want with the time that I want. Like a parent waiting for a child to climb in the car. Have you ever been that parent? And you're like, oh my goodness. 
Why is it taking you so long? And I know some of you are like, oh, that's little kid stuff. No, it's not. Have you seen a teen get in a car? It takes forever. Thank you. I need to get it off my chest a little bit. Okay, so. But you know, I've noticed when I don't like to wait the most, like this is the biggest, hardest time to wait, when I'm going through something hard, something difficult, like a trial, suffering, something like that. Like waiting on the results to come back from the doctor. That's a a long wait. Waiting on something to happen in your finances, you just feel like it's crushing you. You're doing everything right and you just don't know what to do. Waiting on that special someone, you just don't know how to, to figure it out. Waiting to get out of the dead end job, waiting to climb out of that deep, dark depression, waiting for the world to slow down and stop being so crazy, waiting to feel better in the illness, waiting for something to happen in that relationship, waiting for people to get along, waiting on God to show up. We don't like to wait. We have two more weeks in our series. We're going through the book of James. We're calling it Legit. We're talking about what does it look like to kind of have this real identifiable faith a faith that honors God, a faith that's not just what we believe kind of on the inside, not just what we say, although those things are important, but also just what we do, how we live our life. And as the book of James is kind of winding down, James kind of recaps a bunch of stuff. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, and he says the same thing in the book of James over and over and over again. And way back in week one, This is one of the verses we read. This is James 1, 2. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He doesn't say, if troubles come your way. He says, when they come your way, when things get tough, when things are difficult, when life isn't quite the way that you hope, when troubles are here, it's an opportunity for joy. When you're waiting on God to show up, what are you waiting on? When you're waiting on God to show up, when you're waiting on him to move, when you're waiting on him to speak, when you're waiting on him to answer your prayer, when you're waiting for things to change, he's saying it's a chance for joy. Then we're going to fast forward to James 5. We're going to start in verse 7. We're going to talk about and think about what does it look like for us to wait on God. This is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Now, maybe you have the same question that I had when I was reading this. What in the world does farming have to do with anything? Like, why should we wait patiently on the Lord? And that has to do with a farmer. Why does that matter? Well, this is kind of James saying, we can wait well for Jesus. Jesus is kind of the lynch point in all of this. He came to die on the cross, conquer sin, conquer death, and I believe he's going to come back. Like, really. And we're waiting patiently for him to do so. So James is really saying this is a promise, this is a reminder about heaven. And James is asking, okay, what would be the point of a farmer if crops never grew? Wouldn't be a very good farmer, right? We would be like, they shouldn't do that. The farmer is patiently waiting for an expected outcome. It takes some courage to do it. It takes some work 
to do it. He doesn't just get to like pray over the field and hope that like the seeds fall down in there. No, he has to put in all this effort. But the reality is he's not in control whether the crops grow. This is a reminder that God is really the one who's faithful. He provides, he loves, he cares. And it's a reminder that when we're waiting, we can have courage, we can take heart, we can be patient, we can have hope in our trouble, in our waiting, in this expected outcome, because it's all going to come to an end. And we look around, maybe, maybe you're like me, and you, you look at the stuff happening around us, in our world, or in your life, and it doesn't feel like it's going to come to an end. Or maybe it comes to a bad end. You kind of feel hopeless. And James is saying, look, whatever you are waiting on today will not last forever. Heaven will last forever. See, the war's already won. Jesus already came. He already died on the cross. He already rose again on the third day. We already have this hope even as the battle rages on. And all we need to do is wait. But we don't like to wait. So here's kind of the big idea. Here's kind of where where James is going. This is James 5. comes straight from that. This is what he's saying. Wait patiently with hope. We don't like to wait. And the troubles keep on coming. And he's reminding us that we can wait patiently no matter what you're waiting on, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what the pain, what the suffering, what the trial, what the hurt. And just like a farmer is expecting a crop to grow, we can expect God to show up and for him to grow us because we do actually know how the story ends. The story doesn't end with waiting. The story doesn't end with cancer. The story doesn't end with a dead-end job. The story doesn't end with depression. The story doesn't end with the difficulties of parenting and marriage and family. The story doesn't end with death, praise God. The story ends in eternity. And if you believe in Jesus and follow him, it's a story that actually starts there too. And it starts another one full of joy and hope and peace and community, and it's going to blow us away. That's what James is reminding us, that we can wait patiently for that day, that hope, that joy, for heaven. Living out a legitimate faith, remember he's recapping, we've said this a bunch in this series, he's saying to live for God, we're to love God and love others. He calls it the royal law. It's all over the book of James. It's everywhere in there. And James is reminding us, hey, Loving God, loving others should be visible in the way you live, including when you're going through hard stuff, including when you're waiting on God to show up. So we can wait patiently with hope because of Jesus and the way that God loves us through Jesus. Simple enough, but we don't like to wait. How do you do this? James actually describes a couple of ways that we can learn to kind of actually live this out, to actually wait well with hope. This is is what he says. This is James 5.9. I love this. This is so good. I love the Bible so much. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. This is his answer? Like, hey, wait on God. He's going to be there, heaven. And then the next thing he says is don't grumble. Like what is James like on a road trip with his kids? And he's like, stop complaining. How do you wait patiently with hope? This is what he says. Don't grumble about 
each other. What does this have to do with waiting? This doesn't seem to connect. It's about like other things. I don't understand. Well, have you ever had to wait with somebody who was determined to be miserable? I have. I've been that person. Like, have you ever been waiting at the BMV? It's intense. Have you ever been waiting in a line like at an amusement park where you're going like around and around and around and then you go over here and then you see there, there's a whole other room and you're like 72 hours until you ride. And you're like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And you walk like every five feet at a time and you're miserable and it gets just frustrating. And in my experience, there are two types of people in that type of moment. One is the person that makes sure every single other person in that line knows how long they've waited knows how miserable they are, how hot it is. Like we're all aware, like we get it. We are in the same line. We are three feet from each other. Like we understand, no, we're six feet from each other. Sorry, forgot. We're six feet from each other. So that's one person. So it was like, oh, they're going to complain. They're going to grumble. They're going to criticize. Like if they ran it like this, if they did it like this, do you know anybody like that? The other person is the one who's like playing a game with their friends and makes the line a little bit more enjoyable. Nothing changes except their perspective. And we lose patience with each other when we're going through something difficult, when we're waiting, when we're suffering. And then what happens? We become people who are determined to be miserable. Determined. We put more effort into being miserable than we do anything else. We criticize. We look around. We tear people down. We blame. We fight. We grumble. That doesn't mean that what we're going through isn't difficult. It can be incredibly difficult. James calls it suffering. It's not good. His point, this suffering pales in comparison to heaven. And instead of grumbling, remember that royal law? He says, love one another. He says it over and over and over again. Love God, love people, even in the midst of waiting in the hard stuff, even in the midst of waiting for heaven, waiting for Jesus to return, even in the midst of any possible hurt and pain and struggle that you have, he's saying you can choose to be kind. You can choose to forgive. You can choose to love your neighbor even through the hard stuff in life because grumbling doesn't honor God and it doesn't honor your neighbor. And I don't like that. That's hard. We're talking about patience. We're talking about waiting on God to show up. And the first thing he says is, stop complaining. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Have you ever waited on somebody who made a terrible circumstance amazing? Some of the hardest days. Some things like like funerals or pain or in the hospital. And you hear laughter coming out of a room. Their perspective changed. Their circumstance didn't. Just their perspective. It didn't mean they didn't care. It didn't mean that they took the suffering lightly. It meant that they're able to wait patiently with hope. So one way James tells us to do this is just stop complaining. What else does he say? Well, check out verse 10. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets. We're talking Old Testament here. Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job. The people reading this would have known about Job. A man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness 
and mercy. So James gives these examples about waiting. So the first one is the farmer that we already talked about. And then he talks about the prophets and the Old Testament kind of first half of the Bible. And he mentions this guy named Job who's in the Old Testament. Now, Job had a really, really rough go of it. He believed in God. He loved God with everything that he had. And God allowed his faith to be tested. And he lost everything. He lost his money. He lost his land. He lost his family. He lost his home. He lost everything. He was miserable. He didn't know what to do, but he believed. He had faith. And God, at the end of that story, redeemed all this stuff, made all this stuff right. Do you think that there was no pain, though, in the middle of that? The people reading this would have known that story, the hard stuff that Job went through, and how God was their provider, Job's provider, every single time. So what does this have to do with suffering? What does this have to do with what we're talking about today, what does it have to do with waiting? Well, he's saying, hey, don't grumble, but also remember God's provision. And that's where the hope comes in. See, waiting is this reminder that, hate to break it to you, but you're not in control as much as you think you are. See, suffering, hard stuff in our lives oftentimes causes us to rely on God in a way that we wouldn't have relied on Him otherwise. It's the hard stuff. That's where you're grown. That's where God shows up. It's not often the easy stuff. And it's in the middle of the waiting that we're reminded about all these things that God provides. Here's an example. The other day I was working here at the Ridge and the Wi-Fi went down. And yes, you should gasp. That is a huge deal. So the internet goes down and I thought to myself, like, come on, God, we got work to do. Well, like, let's go. I'm actually, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm literally working on this message. And on the screen, it says, remember God's provision. But the Wi-Fi. And so I'm like, dear Jesus, please heal the Wi-Fi. Like, you can do it. I know you can. He's able. He can do it. And I'm annoyed, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to wait on this. Like, this is ridiculous. And here's what happened. And no, he didn't, he didn't heal the Wi-Fi. That's not what happened. At that exact moment, two Ridgers came in, didn't expect them. They asked if they could pray with me. They prayed without having any idea what was going on in my day for me to wait on God. I'm not making that up to wait on God, and to be patient. God provided through something as silly as Wi-Fi being down. How much more can he provide in these big moments of hurt and waiting and pain in our lives? He's there. He's working. But we hurry past him or we hurry him up. So think about it. What has God provided in your life? What are you waiting on right now, even in the middle of the waiting, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the suffering He provides peace in that financial situation, even as it's getting worse. He provides community, even as a terminal illness is battled. He provides wisdom through the Bible, showing us where to go, how to live, how to love one another. He provides the things we wear. He provides the money we use. He provides the relationships that sustains us. He actually gives us, we we sang about it earlier, he gives us the Holy Spirit that lives in us and helps us and guides us and protects us and leads us. He gives all of these things. He provides. And James is saying, look at what God has done throughout the history of the world. Now look at what he's done in your life. Over and over and over again, he's shown up. He's helped. He's guided. He's been faithful. But listen, he's not going to be early. God is seldom early, but he is never late. 
It's not in his nature. And you might be thinking, yeah, but this isn't Wi-Fi, man. This is hard. This is painful. And it doesn't feel like it's going to get better. It, it might not get better. And I have this terminal thing, or I don't know what to do, or my life is crumbling. And how in the world can I remember God's provision if he doesn't provide a way out of this pain? And my honest answer is he does provide a way out, just not in the way that we think. He provides a way out through heaven, and he provides a way out through Jesus. And that might seem so far away, but his provision is perfect, and it's eternal, And it has the perfect timing. And as we wait patiently, Jesus is really our hope. That's what it's all wrapped around. I don't know what hard stuff is going on in your life. It's likely that something is really hard in your life right now. And maybe you don't have anything hard, and that's awesome, and we'll celebrate that with you. But maybe you feel like the last thing in the world you want to do right now is to wait patiently with hope. Why in the world can I wait patiently? What has God given in this? This hurts so much. But the answer is Jesus. Now we believe here at the Ridge that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, for your mistakes, for where you fall short of God's standard. And you might not ever have heard that before, or maybe you've heard it a thousand times. But it brings us hope because it reminds us that we can't earn the right place with God. We don't have to. Jesus did it for us. And even in suffering, even in pain, even in hurt, joy comes in eternity as beyond our comprehension because of Jesus. And James is saying, Jesus is all you need. And God's provision starts and ends with Jesus. And he's saying, don't grumble because Jesus loves you. And God provides through Jesus. And James reminds us of one more thing. This is James 5.12. But most of us, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. What? What does that have to do with waiting? What does that have to do with loving God and loving others? What does that have to do with anything? Have you ever read the Bible like that and you're like, this makes no sense. Now, maybe you've heard a verse kind of like that or a phrase like that, let your yes be yes and no be no. At first glance, we kind of think this verse is telling us that people who follow Jesus should have deep integrity and that they don't have to swear or promise. And that's part, I think, of what this verse is saying. But if we look at the whole context of what James is saying, this is what I think he's saying. Don't let suffering pressure you. Don't let your waiting pressure you into thinking that you have control. That you can manipulate other people, or you can manipulate God, that you actually have much to promise in the first place. We think we're in control. We think we can do it on our own. We think we have it all figured out. But you're not in control. And he's saying, listen, your responsibility is not to find a way out of the pain. Your responsibility is not to find a way out of the suffering. Your responsibility is not to fix it. That's all God's responsibility. He's saying, don't grumble Remember God's provision. And here's the last thing. Remember your responsibility. If we're waiting on God, we're remembering he provides for us. We're remembering we trust him first. And if he really is who he says he is, that he really will do what he says he will do. He really loves us. He really died on the cross. All of those things are true. That no matter the suffering or the hard stuff, we can be at peace. We can be so peaceful that we don't need to bargain or manipulate or promise or swear or try to impress other people or try to show God that we've got it all figured out. 
That's what I think these verses are talking about. Do you ever try to hurry past God, though? You know, you're going through the hard stuff. You're trying to keep perspective, but still at the end of the day, you want to get out of the pain as fast as possible. But sometimes the hard stuff is what's helping us grow. The hard stuff, the waiting, is where we find where God is working. Helps us to remember we're not in control anyway. And God is working and we're there and we run right past it like we don't want to be a part of it. Thanks, I'd prefer to get through this as fast as possible. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You ever try to hurry up God and your prayer is like, take this away? I've prayed that prayer. Have you prayed that prayer? But when you and I pray it, we can remember, listen, our responsibility is not for it to be taken away. Our responsibility is what James talks about the whole letter. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. So when we're going through hard stuff, we're saying, don't rush them. Don't hurry them up. Don't say, if you don't do this on my timeline, you don't exist. Here's kind of the reminder, don't get ahead of God. You can't do it anyway. It's impossible. His timing is perfect. He is working in your waiting, in your suffering, in your hurt right now. But when we hurry past God or when we hurry up God, we miss it. We miss the hope. We miss the joy. We miss the growth. We get focused on our plans, on our needs, on our hopes, on our dreams. All natural, but we miss this hope that comes from Jesus because we're more focused on getting out of it than we are what God's doing in it. And our responsibility is not to get out of it. Our responsibility is not to have the happiest life. It's not to have the fattest life. It's not to be exactly where we think we should be. James is reminding us, listen, love God, love others. That's it. Hard stop. That's our responsibility. And if we're waiting patiently with that hope that comes from Jesus, can only come from Jesus, we don't have to hurry past God. Because he's working. We don't have to hurry up God because he'll give us exactly what we need when we need it and we can trust that. We don't have to grumble that he hasn't shown up. We don't have to complain to other people. We don't have to compare ourselves to other people. We remember he sent Jesus who died on the cross who loves us perfectly. We remember our hope is in eternity. We remember he provides in our waiting and in our suffering in a way better than we can possibly understand. We remember our responsibility is not to be in control. It's not to figure it out. It's not to be the answer. It's not to make all these amazing plans and, and to get to the end of, of the solution. That's not what it is. Our responsibility is to love God and love others. That's it. And then we can just wait on him to show up. In this life, which I think he does, and in eternity, which I know he does, because his timing, his efforts, his love, It's perfect. Do you believe that? See, his provision is perfect. His way, his path is perfect. And if he has you waiting, he's doing something. He's doing something. We can wait with hope. Because Jesus is our hope. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this reminder today that 
you're all we need. That all these things, the pressures, the waiting, the hurt, the plans, whatever we have going on in our lives, that you're this reminder that you provide, you guide, you lead, you are in control. We're not. Our responsibility is just to love. Love you, love other people. I know that's hard. It's hard for me. I needed that reminder to not complain when things aren't happening on my timeline, to be thankful for the way that you provide the timeline at all. That through Jesus and through the cross and through the grave and through him raising again, that we have this opportunity to be with you in heaven that we don't get, we don't see, we don't understand. Help us. You just have a glimmer of it today, that amazing, glorious day that we get to interact with you and interact with each other and have hope and joy and peace and love and community in a way that we don't get. But today, as we're in our waiting, as we're in our suffering, as we're waiting on you to show up in our lives, in our world, as we're waiting on you to return, we just ask for your help, your strength, your perspective. Help us be the people in the line who are encouraging other people, who are remembering the joy of the destination of heaven rather than the people who are tearing people down while while we're waiting. Help us rely on you. Thank you for your love and the cross. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.